Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Crash the UK Geek Podcast, so you know all this. It is Thursday, the 22nd of July 2021 at 22.41.09. Hello, 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 we are doing another show. I didn't mean that to rhyme. So much has happened, I don't really know where to begin. Nothing momentous, just busy. Sometimes I prefer just to have one big chunky piece of news to talk about, rather than thousands of little itty-bitty bits of news, but that's the way it is. I was away longer than I anticipated between shows, mainly because it was so hot, and it is hot now in the studio. That heatwave that hit England, and is still hitting England, made me pretty sick with heat exhaustion. And it's not just here, in the UK. I read that a few weeks ago in Vancouver, which is where I used to live for quite a while, it was almost 50 degrees centigrade, and the heatwave killed more than 68 people. You just have to look at the news and you hear about all the wildfires in the Pacific Northwest. Every year, you also hear me just slam you with all this personal news about the weather, usually complaints. I talk about things like the polar vortex, the one winter when I didn't have any heat. But mostly, the thing that I complain about the most is how hot everything is in summer. It has reached the insane stage where politicians are finally acknowledging the climate crisis, although probably some of them always were. We were just in the midst of an anomaly, having Trump in America. But we've still got Boris Johnson here. I just hope that this time something will happen, anything will happen, some improvement to the way we're destroying the planet, but I don't really know. Freedom Day happened, that was on July the 19th, right in the middle of a ginormous surge of infections, which has made us, as I also often complain, in the UK, the laughing stock of the world. Even the CDC, the Centre for Disease Control in the USA, put out a travel advisory against Americans travelling to the UK. And even with all that going on, people like Andrew Lloyd Webber and some nightclub owners bleat on about it. It's as if they think that if they complain enough about COVID restrictions, somehow the virus will listen to them and the whole thing will go away. Well, it doesn't really work like that. There's also Eric Clapton spouting all sorts of nonsense about how he'll just cancel any concert if he is told that people will have to arrive with proof that they've been vaccinated. He was always a complete 
twit. So I don't know why he's even getting any coverage in news media other than him being famous and being famous for being a complete twit. Everything put together like that does not make this seem like our finest hour. Covid isn't going away. You can't wish it to go away. You can't hold back nature. It's a virus. We just have to keep going, being safe, wearing our masks, keeping our distance, washing our hands, even though it is no longer law because of that idiot Boris Johnson. I think we need to live that way until the whole population from the youngest to the oldest, are all inoculated, and then inoculated again, and then possibly again with a booster, and then maybe vaccinated every year, forever, from now on, from a disease that is much worse than the flu. I think we need to do that, or we just need to accept the death in a really nasty way of millions of the most vulnerable annually, and also the not-so-vulnerable. By a very nasty way, by the way, I mean the trouble people with the symptoms have with breathing. I once nearly drowned, and I can tell you there are few things worse than not being able to breathe. That suffocating feeling. It is absolutely awful. I do hope that things go back to normal. I don't know how positive I feel about that, though. Like I said, (laughs) we've had Freedom Day and we're in a surge, and admissions are going up in the hospitals. I want things to go back to normal because I'm not getting any younger, and before all this crap started... Going to the cinema was a huge part of my life. I physically miss going to the cinema. I have physical withdrawal symptoms like heroin, but I'm not sure we will ever return to that kind of normality. Not the kind of normality we were once used to. I think in the end we will simply have to adapt to survive, or as they used to say in that 2000 AD comic strip. Oh, what was the comic strip called? Well, I just remember one of the characters' t-shirts. It said, Mutate and Survive. Next, while we're still in the pre-show section, I should have mentioned that. Well, that's fairly obvious. I haven't talked to any geek yet. Not really. Just life stuff. My mum was stung loads and loads of times by a swarm of angry wasps. That was yesterday. Last night, she went into the garage to do something. She turned on the light. She was immediately attacked by a swarm of wasps. She was stung so many times. She came back in. She tried to treat her injuries. I helped. I dabbed on lidocaine gel and gave her antihistamine and rushed her to the local A&E. Which all sounds great. She got to the A&E, yeah? Not quite. On the way back home, because you can't really park there for hours, and we don't live that far away, and if I needed to, I could come back and pick mum up, I had a call from her saying that the staff had told her they couldn't see her 
and she would have to make her way on her own to another department called Urgent Care, where she'd probably have to wait another four hours until anyone saw her. Look, my mum is tough, but she's also 77 years old, and at the time she was covered in painful stings and shaking with shock. Really, doesn't anyone have any compassion anymore? I'm really not impressed with her treatment. She was just telling me, actually, not so long ago, about about 20 minutes, half an hour, that at one of her old addresses where we used to live, workmen were doing some work on the roof when they disturbed a wasp or hornet's nest, and one of the workmen was stung very badly many times. He went to the hospital, he was treated, and it turned out all okay. That was quite a few years ago, but it definitely wasn't the case for my mum when she went to the hospital. This is not the first example of awful care I've seen. Mum was once told to walk to another department on an injured leg on which she could barely stand. And if you think that's bad, there is a story that I often think about. That is, this one time, this guy I knew tried to kill himself with pills. When I reported the incident and got to the hospital, I found that just minutes after his attempt, he had been discharged immediately after having his stomach pumped. I found him sitting in outpatients, with a cardboard puke box that the staff had given him. Incredible. You're always seeing all this propaganda that the government say about how mental health is a priority and blah, 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 blah. Really, is it? But anyway, I'm straying from the point. I'm just painting you a picture of some quite unsatisfactory service. Frankly, I've had surprisingly terrible experiences with that hospital, even in addition to those things that I've just mentioned. But to slightly balance things out, this does not make it in any way better. I've also had a few positive experiences there. Like I said, it doesn't entirely make up for the shoddiness of my mother's treatment, but the speech therapy and the hearing departments of that same hospital have been great. Though really, altogether, I'm unhappy. Is this really the best we can do? I understand that the NHS have got their hands full, thanks to Boris the blathering baboon, but my mum's a senior citizen. She worked a long time in this country. She even worked for the government for a fairly long time. Is this really how we treat people? I've kind of strayed away from talking about wasps, so I'll go back to that. Here's an update from today. I found out that the wasps stung me right on my left arthritic thumb. That's a bit confusing, right on my left. I just mean my left thumb, which is a little arthritic. In fact, my other thumb is too, but that's not the point. 
It is relevant that it's arthritic, though, because I didn't really notice. I just thought that the arthritis had become a lot worse overnight until I noticed that there was a swelling on the joint. It was enough to push the thumb out of alignment. That happened when I went to shut the garage door later that night. My question, and this is to entomologists, is why do wasps seem to go for the joints? I was stung on the thumb joint, mum was stung all over the place, but she had quite a few stings on her right hand. I have a number of theories. Is it perhaps because the wasps are seeking the most vulnerable spot on a larger animal? Is it because they attack the appendage that annoyed them the most because I was stung on the left hand with which I turned on the light switch. Maybe they were gathering there. Mum was stung extensively on the right hand, also reaching for the light switch. Or is it something completely different? Is it because wasps are just gits? <laughs> Are they just nasty sods? I put this to the BBC podcast crowd science, but they just pointed me at another BBC podcast that they expected me to listen to. Oh, come now. I think I can talk about this on my own podcast instead. What's the epilogue to this story? Ah, well, not so pleasant. I geared up with insecticide. I went to Tesco. I also bought two aerosol cans of wasp killer. I suited up the next day. I put my hoodie on. I put my gloves on. I put my safety goggles on. I looked like a hitman. I looked like Mr. In-Between. I did all that and then I took them out. I must tell you, I feel guilty about doing that because wasps are just trying to defend their colony, their queen. But in this case, it was either them or us. But being in that type of situation is never a pleasant thing. I have now attacked the wasps with chemicals twice today. I'm going to do it again a couple of times tomorrow to make sure they're all gone. And that, hopefully, will be that. If you can hear a lot of cracking and groaning, that is my joints cracking and popping. Sorry about that. I had to do the podcast standing up today. I just could not face sitting down anymore because on top of everything else, my bum hurts. Let's talk about the final thing in the pre-show section and move on to the show. Oh, and by the way, before I do that, yes, this is not the scheduled Doctor Who cast, although it's not scheduled, nothing's scheduled anymore, really. But I had so much to talk about in the General Geek show that I thought I'd do this first before this episode just became too huge and I'd have to break it up into several episodes. The Doctor Who one is coming very soon. Yeah, the last thing is about the car. Yes, yet another follow-up on the Millennium Falcon. The car 
that you have heard me talk about that has been repaired three times now by two separate garages is again suffering from the same fault. It manifested on the same night that I drove Mum over to the hospital. There was in a 20 mile an hour zone some speed bumps. I would never dare to go over a speed bump at 20 miles an hour, let me tell you. I'm driving a very finicky American car. I drive over it usually at about zero miles an hour. I crawl over these things. And I did that on this night and I heard a pop. Something went again and something was clanging around under the car. Imagine my happiness at that. It's like the cherry on the cake, isn't it? The cherry on the cake? Cherry on the cake? It's not cherry on the cupcake, is it? That's cherry on cherry on top, that's what you say. Not cherry on the cake, cherry on top. A little update to that car fiasco is I did take it into the last garage that saw it this morning around 11-ish and was told that it was a parts failure. It wasn't the fault of the garage, apparently. It was the fault of the part that they had fit. Both new parts had failed. I'm still looking for a new car. But as I've mentioned before, they are really expensive at the moment. But with my own personal family circumstances, we need a car. There's always a reason to be driving someone somewhere. And like I said, my parents are not young, so they need a car that they can easily get out of and into as well. Much as I would like a vintage Ferrari Testarossa, you know what, I'm more of a Lambo man. (laughs) Who am I kidding? Maybe a 20 quid bicycle. Okay, that is it for the pre-show moaning. Let us move on to the culture section and talk about some proper geek stuff. And let's talk about a bunch of films that I saw while I was trying not to die from the heat. Let's start with The Tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War is a great big summer science fiction movie. I thought it was incredibly enjoyable. It is about this scientist who also just so happens to be an ex-member of the US Special Forces, how convenient, who gets involved in a war against aliens but the twist is this war is happening in the future and we are losing so people from the future soldiers are coming back to the present to draft people from the present for the war in the future it's a booyah best of edge of tomorrow robert heinlein's short story elsewhen highly recommended and the film Starship Troopers, and the book Starship Troopers, and Joe Haldeman's satire on that book, The Forever War. It is a mixture of every first-person shooter and third-person shooter video game you've ever seen. There is a dash of the thing. I could go on and on and on. There are references left, right, and centre. My major problem with this because I did 
really enjoy it. But there was one glaring issue I had with this. Although it is a diverse cast, the protagonist? Guess what? He's a white guy. Again. I cannot take this anymore. I have not been able to take this for years, but the white guy cannot continue to be the only type of action hero. Or the future saviour of mankind. Even in fiction, it just has to stop. It had to stop years ago. It's unhealthy. It fetishizes maleness and whiteness. It smacks of imperialistic ideas from horrible things like The White Man's Burden by Rudyard Kipling. It's weird and it's sick and I just want it to stop because it's icky now. Let's have different kind of heroes. For God's sake, let's just do that. That is my opinion of The Tomorrow War. Enjoyable, apart from one terrible, glaring issue. Next, we have The Unholy. This is an adaptation of British horror writer James Herbert's The Shrine. Transplanted to America? Yes, again, it's that old, take something from here and adapt it to America. Let me not go off on a tangent again. In The Unholy, we have a drunken and bitter, jaded hack who works for the Weird Press after his job with the mainstream press went wrong because he was making stuff up. He stumbles into a genuine miracle at a small rural Roman Catholic church. But... Is it really the Christian God pulling the strings? Yeah, that's rhetorical. It's an average, but not very scary movie. I didn't find it offensive. I did think, though, that the special effects were not very good. That is The Unholy, the latest James Herbert adaptation. Somehow, I cannot see Hollywood doing the rats. Or the mist. Cool. Do you remember those books? Can you imagine the BBFC getting stuck into those? They would have to inviscerate those novels to make those films. Let's move on to Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow, the Marvel comic book character. In this prequel to her ultimate fate, we all know what happens to her in which she tries to break out her fellow enslaved sister assassins from the Red Room. Black Widow is a refreshingly bone-crunching female action movie. Yeah, the characters really lamp each other in this. There's no holding back. Unfortunately, it's also fairly forgettable as well. It was a distraction. I tolerated watching it. Again, I didn't find it too offensive. I just found it a bit boring. Next, we have Infinite. Oh, boy. Now, I did find this movie offensive. It was so awful. It is an appalling, derivative, crappy movie about two groups of people 
The first group are a nice bunch of people who can remember their past lives, which endows them with the skills of thousands of years of knowledge, who are fighting a bunch of nasty people who can also remember their past lives, but have come to the point where they just can't stand it anymore and they want it to end. In order for that to end, they want to destroy all life on Earth, which will mean the end of any chance of them being reincarnated anymore. If you want to know what it's like, it's like Inception, it's like Highlander, it's like Assassin's Creed, it is like the excellent and underrated and prematurely cancelled BBC America TV sci-fi thriller series from 2014 called Intruders, recommended. I've talked about it before in this pod. Mixed in with a bit of Hindu light, and I can say that because I'm a Hindu. It is a superficial reading of reincarnation, and man, there is so much exposition. There is so much of Mark Wahlberg's VO, so much that you just want him to shut the hell up, because you can see what's happening quite obviously for yourself. You do not need the VO. And by the way, when did Mark Wahlberg start looking like... Do you remember that episode of Red Dwarf where Lister is injected with nanobots to help him recover when his arm needs to be amputated because it doesn't matter. I'm getting far too much into this. And the nanobots instead turn him into this muscle-bound freak with just the Lister head on top. That is what Mark Wahlberg now looks like. The one shining beacon was Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was excellent as the completely deranged bad guy. Otherwise, this entire movie was a complete and dismal shambles. You can watch it, but believe me, you'll be hate-watching it. Next, The Quiet Place Part 2 finally saw this. Emily Blunt is again Supermum in the sequel to the Alien Invasion story. After her husband's death, she tries to enlist the help of a bitter Killian Murphy while one of her kids searches for a possible source of salvation via an audio message on the radio. My problem with this is the message itself. Why bother playing Beyond the Sea when you can just record a message saying, hey, if there are any survivors out there, come find us at... and then just recite some coordinates. I'm not complaining about purple prose. I love the purple poetic prose of the script, and I love the crooning of Bobby Darren, but this is just needlessly cryptic. (laughs) Absolutely no point to play that music. They could just say, we're over here. Come and find us. So silly. Regarding the creature design, the aliens, 
in The Quiet Place Part 2 are exactly like the aliens in The Quiet Place, the first movie, if you've seen that. They are basically the same as the evolved bats on ITV's science fiction time-travelling TV series Primeval. And also, stylistically, the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Back to that kid searching for possible salvation. She does eventually save the day, which was a nice touch. But as I have been complaining about for a while now, please, for the love of Asimov, please let us have some less dystopic science fiction. I really don't want the cultural zeitgeist of the 2020s to be that we've just given up, so fuck it all. Moving on from movies to television. Loki, yeah, the finale happened, and I was completely surprised that there was going to be a second season. Well, I suppose they couldn't leave it hanging like that. But I always thought that this was supposed to be another of those six-episode event series, and then that will be it. So far, the series as a whole, and the big reveal ending, that the wizard behind the curtain controlling the Time Variance Authority was Kang the Conqueror, was okay. Look... Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy the show. I enjoy Tom Hiddleston's enthusiastic acting. The thing is, I know next to nothing about Kang the Conqueror. I'm not that deeply into Marvel to know about this stuff. From what I've read recently, because I was really interested in finding out more about him once I heard that that's who this new character is, he is fascinating. The descendant of Mr. Fantastic, a normal human being, fully utilising the entirety of his intellect to be a complete and utter bastard. <laughs> fascinating and... Not really surprising for the human species. What the hell is wrong with us? That is it for TV this week. Let's move on to technology. I said on Twitter that this would only be 30 minutes. Maybe it will be when I edit it down, but it's already at 39 minutes. So I doubt it. Okay, technology. Firefox. Fresh after a boot recently... I ended up being stuck for about 20 minutes or more just trying to download one PDF in Firefox. Eventually, it took down my entire desktop. Then, just to rub salt in the wounds, Firefox popped up with the crash reporter dialogue, and the crash reporter crashed. It almost made me late taking mum to the opticians, which I had to do just recently. I've narrowed down over the years my worst problems being related to Windows, doesn't matter what version, and Firefox. Again, doesn't matter what version. 
I really don't know why such basic computer functionality that we need today, we need to boot and we need to get into a browser, is still so difficult. Well, I actually know the answer because I worked in IT for 16 years, and the answer is a few good staff does not make up for a huge incompetent bureaucratic corporation. Oh, and regarding that appointment, I did make it, though I did have to leave home without the right documents. And again, to add even more insult to injury, when I returned home, guess what? The documents had finally printed out and were waiting in the printer tray. And by the way, at that same appointment, as I was standing there, waiting for my mum to get through with her business, a scab randomly fell off my arm and left a spot which started bleeding. If that doesn't show you what a wreck I am, I don't know what will. What the hell is that? Shut the hell up. Sorry about that. Oh, I don't know what it is about my amp. It just picks up all sorts of crap. And now I'm completely confused and discombobulated. Where was I? Yes, bleeding arm. I'm a wreck. Let's just reach the end of this story rapidly because even I'm getting fed up of listening to myself. I eventually downloaded an update to Firefox, an update of about 20 versions, which in the case of the way Firefox versions their stuff, that could be yesterday. Who the hell knows? Anyway, this update showed me that Firefox has changed again. Big surprise. The UI was at least different and not so terrible, but the RAM usage, guess what? Just about the same. If I sound ungrateful, that is because I am. Windows 11. Yes, something else to look forward to. For many years, you've heard my complaints with the many versions of Windows. Though, I also tried and tested Windows 10 extensively. I've stuck with the 32-bit version of Windows 7, because of software compatibility issues. I've got a lot of old software that just won't run on anything else. And now moving on to Windows 11. I did like the look of the previews of Windows 11. I liked the rounded corners and the shadows added depth to objects, dialog boxes, which soothes my aging eyes in comparison to the flat sharpness of Windows 10. It's not just my eyes. I've asked my mum. She is a computer user, and she also did not get on well with Windows 10. It did give her vision problems. On the other hand, we've all heard about the Windows 11 hardware compatibility problems that may or may not be an issue. On the whole, though, because Windows 11 is moving on to 64-bit only, I will probably never upgrade unless I buy a new machine, and even then I might need to downgrade. Or at least I'll always need one machine that is running 32-bit Windows. 
Recently, we've also heard news of Windows 365, Windows as a service. Oh, great. I don't know too much about it, but it sounds like it will be horrible. Of course, you won't have to worry about updates with a cloud version of Windows. On the other hand, you will have to pay a recurring subscription to Microsoft. I'm sure Microsoft would just love that. And on top of all that, do we really want to return to something similar to the thin client slash server architecture that we used to have to suffer in certain locked down corporate workplaces in our homes? Do we want to turn our homes into corporate workplaces where all we have is a stupid thin client? I don't know. I want more control than that. I'm sure some users would like to have a completely hands-off experience, but I'm sure they also don't want to pay a subscription. It will be interesting, though, to see if businesses look at this and think, ah, you know what? We can just fire our IT department and just do this instead. Let's move on to something else, and audacity. <laughs> Again, like I said at the top of the show, where do I even begin? Audacity was bought out by a music software company called the Muse Group, who almost immediately decided to load up their version of the app with telemetry. I don't know the full story behind this, but even if the intentions of the Muse group are pure, that this telemetry is basically to figure out what the users need and so on, putting telemetry into an open source audio recording app was absolutely bound to set alarm bells ringing. Who the hell wants your stuff to end up in God knows what other country with a private company who is doing whatever they want with it? Doesn't sound great to me. My point of view, then, is that I don't care what the reasons the Muse group have for doing this, I do not want telemetry in Audacity. Honestly, I don't want telemetry in any of my software, paid or unpaid, proprietary or open source. I don't want any of my software dialing home full stop. And I know a lot of people out there feel exactly the same way as I do. This will not affect me, at least it won't in the short term, because I personally use Audacity version 2.1.3 from 2017 because I hate the newer versions of the UI. This is, of course, long before the Muse group took over. You can do something similar, or if you want to run something slightly newer, which in most cases I would advise, you can still download legacy versions. Or you can support the various forks that have sprung up almost immediately. One of them's called Tenacity. Don't know if that's still up. The dev that started Tenacity, the fork of Audacity without telemetry, has said that he has been harassed. I don't know what the status of that is, but there are other forks of Audacity, and there will continue to be 
And even if there aren't, there's also legacy versions that you can still use. And that is it for technology this week. Let's move on to creative. This is an update on my job search situation. I said the last time that it isn't going as well as I thought because there just aren't that many creative jobs for me to apply to. I have, however, found another. And I am applying for it right now. Well, not right now. Right now I'm talking to you, but you know what I mean. I'm applying to it currently. Why did I even need to explain that? I'm sorry, I'll just move on. I will do, of course, my absolute very best with the application process, but I've long reached the stage where I hold out absolutely zero hope that I'll get any of the jobs that I apply for. I like to think of this as the way of the samurai. Do your best, expect nothing. Is that the way of the samurai? Have I messed something up about Bushido? I don't know, or Zen Buddhism. Not sure. But I think it sounds plausible. Wait a minute, I don't really consider myself a samurai. I'm more of a ninja. Uh, Again, straying from the purpose of this item... The reason I feel this cynical is I've applied to many jobs where they say we want diversity, we want unique voices, and they blah 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 on about this stuff constantly through the application content. But when those same people are looking over your application form, or if you're even luckier than that, you actually make it to the interview, they suddenly seem to think... Hey man, we wanted diverse, but maybe this person is a little bit too diverse for us? God, I don't know how I can cope with any more cynicism. But it feels realistic. It doesn't feel like artificial cynicism. It is what happens. It is what has happened for years. Ah, and now we're in the after show section, thank God. Let's revisit my interaction through this podcast that was quite high and is now almost non-existent again. What the hell happened? Why am I now in a state of social non-interaction? Am I wasting my time tweeting or podcasting because interaction with listeners is at an all-time low again? I was told a long time ago by a friend that I sound too miserable on this show, but the truth is, I'm not sorry that not every episode is rosy. This is a pod about my personal creative journey and my appreciation of geek media as a geek. And while I don't think this is a misery cast... You'll have to tell me if it is. It's certainly not always going to be <laughs> a ride of the Joy Fest Express. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at anything logical. It's just, where did I get that from? Joy Fest Express. It even rhymes. Let's get back on track. Oh, sorry, another train pun. As a grown-up person, I have a lot of adult crap to deal with, 
on top of trying to be a productive creative. But I understand that that kind of podcast is probably not for everyone, although I have heard other podcasts that are quite popular and are far more miserable than this. But of course, those are by people who already have publishing deals. Uh, what a surprise. The point is, if this isn't the sort of thing that you want to listen to, I understand, and farewell, or adios, or adio. However, being any kind of artist or creative person is fraught with huge obstacles. Perhaps you'd like to get in touch and tell me how you overcame adversity to create something about how you never gave in, like I'm trying to do. Although it feels for me at times like crashing over and over again into the same brick wall. Earlier today, I saw a little YouTube documentary about Volvo, and there was this picture of them constantly destroying their cars in an attempt to see if the cars were safe, that is how I feel sometimes, trying to remain productive and creative. Yeah, back to what I was saying. If you've got a story like that, get in touch. I'd like to hear about it. I'm not interested in hearing from people who are already successful Spielbergs. I'm looking for more modest achievements, though that probably required as much and possibly much greater effort for example, maybe you finally got a book deal, or sold your first script, or artwork after decades of trying. That's the level of adversity I want to talk about. And then there's also, if there are other disadvantages you have, you're from a diverse background, you know the sort of thing. If you've got something like this, get in touch. I'd like to hear about it. Maybe I'll mention it on the show. And that, thank God, is it. I'm saying thank God because I'm parched. My feet are killing me. My joints are cracking. This room is hotter than the devil's bum. And I need to get out of here. The show that you just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. If you want to help, and why would you not, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Yes, you can contact me. For the reasons I mentioned before, or for other reasons, because you're just a social person. You can also support me with small amounts of money. I'm not going to call them donations. I'm not officially a charity or anything like that. But I have a account on Coffee, K-O hyphen F-I, where you can tip me a couple of galactic groats. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on... Oh, I've already done that bit. <laughs> and that is it. You were listening to the ludicrously titled Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode number 
396, which I should have mentioned but probably didn't mention at the top of this show, recorded on Thursday the 22nd of July 2021, and the time at the end of the show is 23.43.16. Thanks for listening to me chat in this hot circle of hell. I'm not sure which circle of hell which is the one that's hot, because I know some of them are icy. What am I talking about, Dante? Forget it. See you next time. Next time, I'll be talking about Doctor Who, the invasion of time, rather than moaning about everything and shaking my fist at the entire universe like a supervillain. Well, that's what I like to think, you know, because it's empowering. Bye.